Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. Real quick, I want to mention SoberTownPodcast.com. We have tons of resources there to help you find a way to get sober. We have sober toolboxes. We have sobriety discussions, your body on booze. All of those have modules in there to help you try to figure out where you're at and find a way to get off the poison. Also, I want to mention the I Am Sober app, IAS. That It's an amazing app. It's free. You can use it as a counter for your sober days. And also there's a community in there with thousands of people getting sober who are like-minded just like you. And today we have a very special guest and I'm very excited that she's here with us. Welcome Stephanie, AKA Sea Angel on the IASA app. Hello. How are you doing, Stephanie? I'm doing great today. Thanks for asking, Director. Are you ready to tell your story? Yes. Do you want me to begin? Yeah, let's begin where you want to begin, and I'm just going to just get out of your way. Okay. Uh, I'm a 53-year-old woman. I've been married 33 years. I have a son who's 28. He's an opera singer. I was a fitness professional for 20 years. I held 13 certifications and could teach everything in the gym. At one time, I actually taught 27 classes in a week, so I was full into it. I absolutely loved it and miss it. I'm in college now, uh, studying to become a art therapist or an art teacher. I love kids, so I'd like to help them out in any way I can by doing either one of these positions. I grew up Catholic. I was a latchkey child. I'm a survivor of sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal and mental abuse. I worked 20 years after finding out that I was suffering from these things that happened to me in my past and did the Courage to Heal workbook and just worked with my therapist on trying to heal my inner child and take back my life. I have an addictive personality from shoes to people. Uh, A lot of things I get addicted to. I can't help myself and I just ride along with it. There was a point where I was... I was uh, into cereal for a while, just like Jerry Seinfeld, the perfect food, cereal, and that's all I could eat for a while. So I got, I was like addicted to that. So I'm, I'm an addict uh, through and through. I abused and became addicted to Ritalin for 10 years, and I didn't abuse alcohol until I was 49. And uh, I think I was a late bloomer as far as that's concerned. I started to drink at 49, and by 2020, at the age of 51, I spent, I would spend half a month on the Ritalin run out, and then drink the other half of the month, just trying to cope with the anxiety of not having the Ritalin, and this turned into a problem that drinking did, uh, two to four bottles a day, some days of, of wine. Uh, my marriage was crumbling, so this is all in 2020. My marriage was crumbling. There was physical abuse. I was going through empty nest syndrome. When my son left, I didn't know who I was and had to find myself. My body was swollen. My house was upside down from putting flooring in. It was 
3,000 square feet of flooring and the house was like a snow globe that you just turn over and shake. And so everything was everywhere in the house and that caused great anxiety. I had no place of my own to go. I wasn't taking my vital meds correctly. I lost control of my bowels and was wearing Depends. I was paranoid and hearing voices. I fell down the stairs twice. I had convulsions, I had concussions, and then finally I uh, got a DUI. So my aunt calls all of this a midlife crisis. And I just know that all of these things happening to me at once, it was kind of like a midlife crisis, but it was also my environment. My environment had changed and so I had changed with it and became a heavy drinker. I uh, got the DUI, and what was funny about the DUI was that he pulled me over for giving the hang loose sign and uh, and that I was trying to race him into a Home Depot parking lot. It, he did pull me over, and I did go through the sobriety check. He This was in 2020, remember, and uh, he he wouldn't allow me to wear my mask, and I was scared to death. I didn't know who he was, really. He was undercover, and... I just went with what he said, and luckily I had called my husband, and he came to where I was at and watched the whole thing go down. And I did blow a 1.9. I had been drinking the night before, and, and mind you, drinking the night before doesn't mean that I stopped drinking at midnight. It means that in my drinking, I hardly had good sleep. So I consider the night before to be even four o'clock in the morning. I was drinking till four and then woke up at eight to go to my gynecologist appointment and had a few sips of something and left. And I didn't feel drunk at all. But, you know, mind you, I was heavy into the drink and uh, I popped that uh, 1.9 and that changed me. And I I had enough. I was scared for my health. Um, I was scared of my husband. I was scared of my environment. I was scared of myself in a way, but I decided to leave. And I wasn't, it was the day after my DUI and I didn't want to drive my car because I didn't feel right. Uh, I felt a little sick and a little hungover and I didn't want anything to happen with, uh, with driving again. So I left my house uh, I left my husband. I had uh, an expensive piece of art, my gold jewelry, and my medications in a bag. It felt good leaving. I was on my way to my girlfriend's house, and from there I would get help. It was COVID, and a neighbor called the police on me as I was walking. She was afraid for her family, I guess. From there, I ended up at my girlfriend's house, and... There was a cop there and an ambulance and other things had gone down in between uh, that time. I had tried to reconcile with my husband in the park and uh, all I wanted to do was get to my girlfriend's house. Well, he was going to drive me. He told the police he was going to drive me and on the way he kept stopping, talking to me and that he needed to take me to a doctor. I just wanted out, and when he was coming up to a stop sign, I knew he may just get on the highway, and so before the car stopped, I got out, found freedom, and got to my friend's house. 
I think what happened was this was reported to the hospital that I tried to exit a moving vehicle and that I was harm and I was harming myself or going to harm myself and so was put under suicide watch at uh, Twin Cities. I wrote notes to my son in crayon on uh, napkins that I was okay and that everything was going to be okay and that I loved him. I At this point, I thought I was going to die. <sighs> and it was such a sad time because I thought, how how crazy would it be for my son to get a note from me saying that everything was all right in the hospital and crayon. I just felt debased. I didn't feel right about myself, but I ended up the next day, a police car drove me to a mental hospital in San Jose. And in that hospital, I, I was there for two weeks. I learned about art therapy. I learned about hobbies. I learned about uh, myself. I got back into yoga. I was teaching other people in the hospital how to do yoga. I uh, did it on my own. I learned how to eat. I lost a lot of weight. I became a vegetarian. I had nothing there at the hospital, nothing of my own. All I had were a pair of scrubs. So I was what I think was at my almost primitive level in the mental hospital. They had me on the right meds. They found out I had a concussion. I, I didn't tell them about my heavy drinking or my uh, or my Ritalin use or abuse because I was embarrassed and I didn't want to get in trouble and I didn't want to cause any problems. And I think in my head somewhere, I thought maybe I would continue using. I'm not sure right now, but may, that could have entered my mind. I spent um, so two weeks there then came out and went to rehab in a place in Calabasas. Uh, and I refused to believe I was an alcoholic. In rehab, I learned about drinking hand sanitizer, mouthwash, and rubbing alcohol. All of my hair products were removed from my care because they contained the first, if one of the first three in ingredients contained alcohol, I couldn't have that product in my shower or in my room. Pictures were taken away, but it was a beautiful place. Just in the woods uh, at night, I'd open my window and in the morning, the birds would sing at five o'clock in the morning and I'd wake up with the birds singing. And it was a great place, but you know, the groups were talking about suicide. You know, every group I went to was suicide and it's just not me. I, I felt so, so, it was so dark. You know, and I couldn't relate to these women. I wanted to leave, and I did. I left after 13 days. My husband came and got me. But then at home, I was so anxious. I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I did do some yoga. I still stuck with the right medications. But I did take advantage and, and of what I learned in rehab and began drinking rubbing alcohol and hand sanitizer with some cranberry juice and even drinking mouthwash just to get some reprieve. I, I just, my mind was busy. I wasn't on any kind of medication for my ADHD. So I, I drank these things and it really messed me up. I entered detox at Santa Barbara Hospital 
and got great care. I then did uh, an in-outpatient aftercare program called Balance. The Zooms were six hours a day, four days a week for three months. It was cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy to get my mind straight. And I absolutely loved it. I was sober for one year after that. I didn't believe I was an alcoholic. Nobody uh, but my aunt who had said that I had a midlife crisis thought maybe I was an alcoholic. And I denied it. My grandmother was an alcoholic and she was one of my abusers growing up. And I didn't want to be like her, so I refused to believe I was an alcoholic. Then I entered college and I picked up drinking again in celebration of dropping a class because I felt so good about doing that. I thought, well, let's let's celebrate. And, um, you know, I started slow at first. Uh, I hid my drinking from my husband. I have my own set of rooms and I hid my drinking in my bathroom. I I hid my bottles and my drinking, but my husband could tell when I was drinking. It may have been on my on my breath or the way my eyes were or, you know, you can just tell when someone's been drinking. <sighs> you know, alcohol, my husband and I had talked about it after my rehab stint in Calabasas, we had talked about having an alcohol-free house. And I had agreed to that at that time. So then I was sober for a year and then I started drinking again and hiding it. It got to be where I felt so much guilt and shame for hiding it and hiding the bottles. I mean, I I thought I was so smart in how I brought the bottles in because they were small bottles of wine. I brought them in in my purse and would hide them in my bathroom and drink in my bathroom. Then I had to do, what do you do with the bottles? What do you do with the bottles? So I put them all in a plastic garbage bag and put them in a closet. And eventually that bag got so big and I thought about going to a dumpster to take care of it, but I didn't. I told my husband, I said, this is what's going on. I said, look, I don't know if I'm an alcoholic, but I want to find out. And I need to have this law lifted off the house that we have no alcohol. Know that please let me allow me to drink so that I can find who I am. And, and I really would appreciate it. And so we decided to have an open door policy with the alcohol. I just wouldn't drink it in front of him. I still kept it in my bathroom, but I didn't feel like I was hiding it anymore. But I would buy so much at one time to kind of store it, but it wouldn't get stored. It would get drunk. <laughs> I would drink it. Uh, so it got bad. I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this balance program again because maybe they can help. And I did it again because I loved it so much the first time, but I continued to drink. I drank first thing in the morning. My sleep was shit. I had night sweats and tremors. I couldn't go without it. All I kept thinking about was the alcohol, when I was going to get it next, when I was going to drink it, and the excitement of buying it, being in the store and looking for a label, trying it, and because uh, I love wine, I lost control. I lost control, and I knew I was an alcoholic. 
I got down to a, a, a bottom. I hardly ever had hangovers, but oh my gosh, I just knew by drinking first thing in the morning and having the tremors, there was something wrong. So I entered detox in Santa Barbara again, this time hoping that it would be the last time, knowing that it would be the last, like this would be a fresh start. While in detox, and in detox, I have to say, we do groups all day in detox, groups all day, we're on the right meds, uh, we're stabilized, we do artwork, we do counseling, we talk with each other in these groups, and we get great ideas on, on how to stop drinking, where to go for aftercare, for after the detox, all, all kinds of great things happened at the Santa Barbara Hospital. I had to choose an aftercare program, and balance was one of them, but I didn't want to do balance again. I wanted something more AA-based because I figured that I wanted to do the 12 steps, and I wanted something a little more <sighs> difficult for me. Balance was easy for me the second time around. So what about doing this program called COPE, C-O-P-E? COPE is AA-based, and it was three hours a day, four days a week. I did uh, my first three steps and a relapse prevention exercise and made connections. I found a mentor and did AA meetings, Recovery Dharma, and then finally, I am sober because I don't know if I mentioned, but while in detox in Santa Barbara, somebody came in with the IAS app and we all just glommed onto this person and said, what, what is this app? What is this app? We put it on our phones and that's when I joined. It was April 11th, I recall. I was so excited to have something for something that would help me on my journey. All these things I still utilize today. I still believe in AA. I still believe in the IAS Zooms, unofficial Zoom, Zooms, excuse me. It's 2022 now. I've been two years on the right meds. I have a therapist who I see every week, a psychiatrist I see every month, a primary care physician. I am on my ADHD medication again, this time taking as prescribed. My house is in order. My hubby and I do counseling and we're the happiest we've ever been in 33 years. My son is proud of me and I'm proud of myself. I continue with COPE once a week and I'm on step seven now. Everything in my life is a blessing and I'm the best I've ever been. Wow, 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 Stephanie. What, what a journey. Basically, your drinking came to a head in 2020. Yes. And so from 2020, all of this happened from 2022 to the present. All of this happened with the rehabs, not thinking you, that you were an, an alcoholic, going right. through the different programs. Prior to 2020, how, how was that, that part of your life? I grew up all over the United States. My, I'm originally from Reading, Pennsylvania. I spent the first, my family is all there. I spent the first eight years of my life mostly with my mom and my mom is the sweetest, most loving woman and she's an alcoholic, but she's, 
I remember her when, you know, in the 70s, when she was kind to me and played games with me and would have my photos done and sent got me to the dentist and um, was on top of things with me. And then my sister came and my mom and dad uh, were divorced and my dad took off to California with my sister and I uh, away from my mom. He ended up keeping me and my sister went to my mom, but my dad moved me around a lot up and down California. I also spent time in North Carolina, in Charlotte, which is a beautiful city. Uh, picked up the accent. I was 10 years old. Oh, I got to tell you, at, at here in North Carolina, there in North Carolina, I was part of a, of a Jamaican steel drum band. And I learned on the five drums first, the bass drums, and then moved on to three, and then two, and then one. And um, then I was leading the pack. And I was on television on Good Morning America playing the Jamaican steel drums with a band behind me. And I was just doing the single. And it was so cool. So that's my claim to fame right there at 10 years old. Uh, so that was there in Charlotte. And uh, I lived in Virginia, New York, L.A., uh, Sacramento is where we ended up, and I, I pretty much raised myself. I was one of those kids that wore the key around their neck. I didn't. I tried my best. I went to thirteen different schools growing up, and it was always difficult to make new friends. But what I would do is I would adapt and just stick with the people that I trusted. I, I just grew up that way, just having to morph into someone. And, and I could do it um, easily, but it was really tough on me not having true lifelong friends. So when I got older, I made a plan that my son would not go through that. He would have the same house. So he's had, lived in the same house all of his life. And I'm so glad for that. With your drinking, were you just a casual drinker? I did go out with the girls. I would get drunk, not every time. Sometimes I was the uh, the designated driver. I didn't have a problem with alcohol. I think the problem came with my environment. There was a, there's, I, I have the gene, but it was dormant. And once there was chaos and anxiety, then that dormant gene turned on and I became an alcoholic. And that's when you started taking the Redland too then, when all that started just coming together? I started taking Ritalin, I think, in 2012, and I was I was taking it for 10 years and started slow and then worked my way up to taking, and they were 54 milligram tablets or caplets. I would do um, half of the bottle in half half a month, or I would do the whole bottle in half a month, and that I think that really did mess me up. It wasn't meant to be abused. That's where it really kicked in, right? Where you were doing all of your prescription in half a month, and then you were drinking to to overcome that, right? To the end of the yeah, month. You got it. So then that's when 2020 kicked in, and you got the DUI, and everything just kind of into a head. Yeah, everything did. I've been through the rehabs, and I know what it's like to sit there thinking you're not these people. Can you explain that scenario where you're in these meetings, 
you're thinking that you're not that you're not an alcoholic. Like I said, I didn't want to be like my grandmother. My grandmother was an she killed two of her kids in an automobile accident, and I'm I'm I I one of her children was decapitated. That and she just kept drinking after that. I can see where it was an accident, and, and grandma or grandma, wherever you are, you know, I know you're at peace right now, but you know, I didn't want to be like her. I didn't I? didn't I wasn't like her I wasn't mean I wasn't mean like that you know I I knew about hangovers and that kind of stuff but you know that stuff never it just came with the territory I hardly um I, I what happened in the in the groups I just couldn't relate to an alcoholic at the time I didn't want to I felt it was a lot of my husband's fault that I was drinking and I was in the blame game. Who's to blame for this? It can't be me. Even though when I was drinking, I knew it was my was my problem in 2020. Once I wasn't hiding it anymore, that's when the light came on. And once I lost control and had to ask for help, then I knew there was that I was an alcoholic. But it was hard to relate to people. It was difficult for me to see the light while I was under the influence of alcohol and Ritalin. And um, I can be honest, before the Ritalin, I had dabbled with different drugs in my youth. Not only when I was about 22 did I try mushrooms and acid and uh, cocaine. I would go through spurts where I'd, I that's the, was my drug of choice, and then I would change over to a different one. Um, was never addicted to any of them, but I liked them a lot. And then eventually meth came along, and I was on that for a while, and I did stop using that. I I I knew that it wasn't good for me. During a lot of this time, you surfed. Did you teach surfing too? Uh, I I taught my girlfriend surfing, how to surf. That's where I felt the most connected to the universe, to God, to everything that's out there, everything that's pure was on the water, in the water, getting wet, being out there in nature, being one with the ocean, finding that wave or just riding anything, you know, was a gift. So here you find yourself in a position where you're drinking the hand sanitizer the the mouthwash at that point did it did it seem like that where you were like maybe I do have it with alcohol yes I knew that I had an issue with anxiety but I didn't know that it was an issue with alcohol even though those are pretty big things that I would never have had but because in rehab they mentioned him I went wow it must be you know a real thing that I can drink rubbing alcohol with some cranberry juice and and get my anxiety lowered. So with the anxiety that that you were dealing with all the time, what's your anxiety like now? I'm fine. Uh, I'm on a medication in case I I get anxious or panicky. I had panic attacks in the 90s is when they started, uh, bad panic attacks. Something wasn't right with my past and was coming out physically. And that's when I was ushered to a counselor and a psychiatrist and put on medications then in 1992 for bipolar and manic depression and for uh, panic attacks. 
I was having panic attacks all day, every day in 1992. Now I don't have panic attacks. I know how to breathe through them. If I do have one, I know how to ground myself. Grounding 54321 is so important to uh, get yourself grounded and in a good headspace and feel locked to the earth. Uh, the panic attacks, uh, I can look and see them in my rear view mirror now and my anxiety is so low. I just feel gratitude. I feel great uh, about how far I've come and how my body has changed, how I've been compassionate with myself and allowing these meds to take effect so that it changes my anxiety. My house has changed. My relationship with my husband has changed. So now everything is for the better. Wow, what a what a big change uh, from 1992 until now. And even 2022 or 2020, my anxiety was so high. And then coming out of that rehab, I didn't know what else to do. I had no place to turn because I had given up the rehab. But the anxiety, thanks for asking, is just fan. Is, I I hardly have it, and when I do, I just do any of the exercises that I know, and try to get past it. Do some deep breathing. Try it and ask myself, where is this coming from, and try to take care of it that way. With the rehabs, because I've been through three inpatient rehabs myself, I was always fine in the rehab, and when I got out, it's like I lost my whole support. And I have to say, like being involved in these sober communities, like the I am sober, and that's my favorite one. That's where I got sober. When you stay connected with a sober community, and even if it's virtual, I mean, that's a game changer, isn't it? Yes. Yes. That, the I, I want to quote Viv, connection beats addiction. Uh, say that because it is absolutely true. Once I hooked up with the IAS unofficial Zooms and was doing COPE. I was doing COPE at the same time and still am doing COPE just once a week. It's great connection. Now, COPE is more clinical, but there are a lot of rules to that group, to those groups, those Zooms. Uh, there are a lot of people in there, uh, you know, maybe 20 at the, at the top, but it's not like a personal one-on-one -on -one session. But it's it's all of us there together. We're all being sober and we're all learning. So it's more like three hours of learning and sharing. So you're doing cope and the unofficial I am sober Zoom. I think you've done the you do some of the rewired zooms too, don't you? Yes. And then but you you host on the on the unofficial uh sober squad one zooms, right? The um sober sisters is what I'm doing now. And the sober out because I was gonna get to that. Man, you women have so, it's so cool of what the women have built. And it started out with Polly and Karina with building these women's groups. And then they started the Zooms and it's just morphed into this huge connection of women getting together to support each other through their sobriety. So now you're hosting the Sober Sister Zooms. Yes, I'm hosting and I try to bring in what I've learned from Balance and from COPE. And wherever I pick things up, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of Googling something and then, you know, finding out more about it and bringing it to the table. I believe there's so much info information out there that we're blessed with that we can use to help each other 
even if it turns on one light bulb, I'm happy about that or to discuss it. Sometimes it takes me to discuss it to further uh, understand what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? It's like I go down the path and I bring this information, but the information may not be totally with me, but then once I talk about it and I see expressions and I hear different things, then it really latches on because I get this uh, uh, ultra experience out of it. Your journey is just so incredible. I can't believe from 2020 until now, how you've just immersed yourself into your recovery. Yes. I think the first year I was sober, though, I didn't do anything but live. I I didn't do any groups. I didn't do anything. But I was sober for a year. You know, what I did was I, I just have this ability to turn something off. But when it wouldn't, when I got back into the drinking again, after being sober, I just decided that I needed more. I, I wanted more. I, I wanted more for myself and to understand things better. I couldn't count on just gratitude for that. Gratitude plays a big part in my life, believe me. But I needed more than, than just the compassion. And you know what I needed? I needed to trust myself. I had to build trust with myself that I would not buy alcohol and that I would not go down that path again. So trust, I think, is one of the things that needs to be built when somebody is newly sober, a trust with themselves so that they can, once they trust, once I was able to trust, I was able to move on to other things and keep and know that I would be sober and trust myself to be sober so that I could focus on other things. You know, that is so huge. You know, in Rewired, they talk about knowing your authentic self, authenticity, where you can wake up one day and you trust that you can be the person that I need to be. And today it's something I don't want to change for a drink. I wouldn't change it for a drink. It's not worth it to me. I don't feel the urge to drink anymore. I don't feel like I that I even wanted. I'll go out to see a show. And of course, there's a beer garden or whatever you want to call it uh, in there, too. And I don't think about it. I know those people are having their time. They're a good time. I'm having my good time. And, and it doesn't include alcohol. I don't even think about it anymore. If I want something, it'll probably be like a, you know, a double zero Heineken or uh, something like that. But, you know, I told myself too that I, I asked myself, what is it that would make me drink that I would want to go? I need to have a cosmopolitan. That's my favorite drink. And what would it take? And I could see maybe, you know, the death of my mother or something totally shitty. <laughs> To that maybe that, but today she's alive and kicking, and I'm alive and kicking, and I'm not going to drink. <laughs> and I'm so with that... you. I'm not going to drink with you. <laughs> I mean, look, that's such a difference, Stephanie. From you were consumed. I mean, this all just happened in the last couple of years. You were consumed where you couldn't stop thinking about alcohol. It had taken over your mind that much to where it led to the mouthwash and rubbing alcohol and everything else. And you are literally free from that today. That is just so amazing. Free and clear. I, I've, I'm level-headed. I'm uh, 
132 days sober today. Congratulations. And I'm still working on it. I'm still working on becoming a better me. It's not just me trying to be sober anymore because I trust myself. So I know that that's, that's fine. That's taken care of. But for me to want a better me, to where I understand myself better, doing all the things that I've done and still continue to look out for more, like more books, more more information, more things that people can tell me. You know, hey, why don't you check this website out? Or um, one of the other gals brought the 24-hour AA meetings to me, and I, I get on that sometimes, and I find it, I, I find it a, another connection. But, you know, it's we're all on a journey, and it, life is, I love that quote, by Bruce Lee, life is a journey, not a destination. It is absolutely the truth, and we all have our own journeys to do, uh, rivers to cross. And I'm I'm glad for mine. I'm glad for my journey. So you've literally you've crossed that bridge. I I call it sobriety and recovery. Sobriety was just trying, you know, learning how to say get sober and say no to the the addict voice. And then recovery is where you get into all the other what may be trauma or you know or learning about yourself like you're doing you know authenticity honesty all these other different things that we're learning and then you know you're doing doing this the steps too it's got to just feel amazing to be where you're at right now ah oh, thank you drifter it does it it really does i hear people talking about that they're a new version of themselves I think as people, we're always evolving, whether it be, you know, um, having a little stint with alcohol or having a little stint with something else, we're still, we would, even without that happening, would we would still evolve. Would I have evolved as much? I don't know, but you know, I'm here and I'm, as long as I'm asking questions, I think I'm good. And I'm in that place of recovery and discovery. Well, I, I think that with, without getting sober, you want to have reached this new dimension that you're, you, you've stepped into because you're not blaming your husband for where you're, where you're at anymore. There's, I mean, look how radical the clarity has become for everything in your life to where you could take ownership. Of. Yes, it is all mine. Um, it helps with my marriage too. We've been able to have discussions where I don't get upset bef uh, anymore. I used to get very upset and not slow my pace down to listen, to really listen, to work my brain around what's said and come out with a positive answer or just coming back in the conversation with something more positive than coming back with an angry you know, voice or uh, everything is calm here now. And like I said, we did go through, he was physically abusive to me a couple times, and I had to look past that. I look past that now. He was going through some things himself. And you know what? He doesn't drink anymore. He, he two years ago when I was going through this, he said, I'm not drinking anymore. So I, lo I love that I live in a sober home. So you guys have been able to work through a lot of stuff in your marriage. Yes. And, and I, I would have to say that's, because of sobriety on both sides because he got sober too yes and yeah he, but he's never been a drunk 
Right. He does. He's not an alcoholic, but I am. <laughs> I have an issues with alcohol myself, and you know I can't even moderate a Pringle. Chip. <laughs> so why I would ever think that I could moderate alcohol is beyond me. But that's our minds. That's what our minds try to tell us. Oh yeah, you, well you can have a Pringle now, <laughs> right? I opened up that can. I'm gone. <laughs> I don't even want one. I don't even think about it. I do have alcohol-free beverages from BevMo. I do enjoy a few things from there because I've always been into the taste and not so much the alcohol. I love um, different things, but I don't need to go into that while we're here. But just I just buy replicas, and they, they taste even better because there's no alcohol in them. <laughs> so you're giving back a lot now, and that's what I, you know, I saw too, is you're just involved in so many different aspects of sobriety and you're able able to give back to a lot of people. Thank you. That's great. That's what I'd like to happen. I know it'll happen here. I'm glad for that because when I was first starting out, there was so much guilt and shame, I swear, over hiding alcohol that I couldn't face people to say that that tidbit, that knowledge that, you know, I had been hiding it. So when I was on the app and I saw people that were posting, I still couldn't get the, I still didn't get the connection to people that were like me. Like I wanted to find somebody that actually hid their alcohol in their bathroom and drank it there. And so that I could kind of relate to them. I didn't find that at first. And then once I got on the Zooms, I realized we all had things in common and may not be that exact thing, but we we're all, you know, people, you know, whether it be sober squad or sober sisters or rewired, we're all people. And sometimes we don't always mean to go into a zoom with an agenda of what we're going to say, but it happens spur of the moment. And if we're lucky enough, we have a pen and a pad of paper and we're able to write these little things down to help us remember. You know, some people, they say, do I have to be in recovery the rest of my life? You would be trying to better yourself one way or another, right? Regardless. And I think that we have uh, an advantage in our sobriety because we know the direction that we needed to go. I knew the direction I w- didn't want to go. And I think that's what spurred me uh, later to go in the direction I wanted to go and move forward. My lowest time was in 2020, I had lost control of myself and I was crawling in my stairwell in my in my hallway, in, naked in a pair of Depends and trying to get to the bathroom, crawling. And that's my lowest point. That was my absolute lowest point. And I, I just didn't know who to turn to, what, what, what to do. And you know, it just took some time asking questions, asking myself questions and getting help. That kind of living is not living. It wasn't living for me. But, you know, things turned out so fantastic. I can't, I can't even, there's no comparison to that time. I've totally shifted my life from that. And it's glorious. I just have so much i go to that person that was crawling and say i i'll take care of you everything will be fine we'll make it through this together 
having compassion for myself and not looking back and just being embarrassed. No, I was in trouble. I needed help. And uh, I found it. So you mentioned that uh, great being grateful is a huge part of your sobriety. You even spell grateful a certain way, right? Yeah, G-R-E-A-T-F-U-L. I use the word great in grateful. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is it. so great, isn't it? It is so great. It is. I love sobriety. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me here today. Is there anything else that you would like to add to maybe give, you know, some people some hints out there? Hints. Education. Get yourself educated. Find things to educate yourself because education is power. Uh, trust, compassion, uh, your values, honesty with yourself, honest, honesty with myself. If you can't go it alone, reach out. And I have the hardest time with that. I have the hardest time reaching out. But I do have a mentor that I talk to. And I do uh, have so many other places that I can reach out. And that's that's one of the biggest ones is reaching out. It's it's can be so tough. I don't understand why it's so tough. But it's, it, it's something that I need to work on in case I do need to reach out because we're all one drink away or so many seconds away from from a drink i just wish everybody well on their on their journeys and i'm glad to meet up with people and i'm so glad i know people in this community and in the ias community i'm i'm very grateful and i i feel blessed i am blessed well thank you for joining us and sharing your journey and thank i you. guess thank you drifter it's been an honor and a pleasure have an amazing day Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. I appreciate it. And have have a good time tonight. Hopefully you're driving, right? Yep. Back out on the road. <laughs> Back out on the road. Well, thanks for having time for me. Well, I, I just appreciate you coming to Sobertown and sharing your story because there's so many others like you that have gotten into their drinking later on in life where it's really consumed them. Thank God that you're out of it, Steph, and that you're here able to share the story and transform your life. You've literally transformed your life. It's so incredible. When I was listening to you in those Zooms, I was like, my God, this woman is incredible. Look what she's done. You know, you. I just wish everybody could know you. And now you're into triple digits and you're kicking butt. Kicking butt. Taking names. Taking names. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. Bye.